Welcome to the Recovering Perfectionist Podcast, where I empower you to develop sustainable habits, challenge society, and take messy action. I'm Christine, life balance coach and world champion ballroom dancer, and I believe that everyone has the power to create their very own life by design. The Recovering Perfectionist podcast was created with a mission to encourage a life of abundance by finding peace and acceptance in our own imperfections and developing healthy self-love through sustainable habits and manifestation. It's time to align with the universe for the full human experience and redefine what it really means to be successful. Uh It's too good, the secret is out and wow, Uh uh-huh. Welcome back to another awesome episode of the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I am so very excited to introduce to you my guest today. Her name is Nicole Baker, and she is a life and mindset coach for perfectionists, which I mean, I can't even tell you this is so exciting. We've never really dug deep with a guest on the topic of perfectionism. And um Nicole reached out to me because she heard my episode on self-care is not selfish, which was one of my favorites to to do. I just, it resonated. I was just like, this needs to come out. Um, And so if you've, you know, if you're an avid listener of, of the podcast, then you know that a lot of the perfectionist vibes and things like that, that I discuss is really when I'm doing solo um, episodes, when I have a lot of guests, I take kind of what they do and I relate it back to the perfectionist, you know, um, ideals or concepts. So I'm really excited to talk to Nicole today and to introduce you to her so that we can kind of dig deep into what perfectionism really, like how it affects so many areas of our life and kind of like how we can work towards making progress in that. So welcome, Nicole. Thanks for being here. You are so welcome. And I, I just want to say that the self-care isn't selfish. Like I read that title and I was like, Ooh, Dang, that's a good title because so often a lot of perfectionists tend to lean into people pleasing and which normally means putting yourself on the backest of back burners. And right. when you start to actually lean into self-care, it's like, oh my God, I'm taking care of my, myself. Like, but I could be doing all these things. And I'm so glad you spoke into that, that weird ism that we put in our heads that when we're taking care of ourselves, it's selfish. So thank you for that episode. It was gold. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I mean, listen, I kind of, I kind of have that mantra running through my head a lot. Um, and I say it to a lot of people. I think the biggest thing is, you know, we were just talking before we got started here that I'm, I'm a very proud millennial and we are kind of like the first generation that kind of looked at our parents and was like, this is what we're dealing with. Like, nah, we're going to pivot, you know? And so it was just a lot. Um, it, it's just really cool to, to kind of like break free of some of those societal norms and just say like, we're going to do something different. And I think self, like the word selfish has been used to define our generation a lot. Um, and so that's just a really like hot button issue with me. And so, mm. I try to explain to people when they say like, oh, well, we don't want to have kids. That's selfish. We don't want to commit to buying a house. That's selfish. Like everything becomes about us. And I'm like, well, let's break that down and actually talk about what it is that why we're not doing these things. Like we realized that 
but you know, buying a house and doing what society says you should do just puts you into more and more debt. And you actually just, you don't even have an asset at the end of it. Mm. Um, and you're, and you're tied down. Like we'd rather spend money on experiences and traveling and seeing the world. Right. I like and, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then the kids thing, like that's just up in the air for a lot of people. Yeah. Like also having kids so young, you know, like when you have people that are having kids, you know, in their middle twenties, like they don't even know what they want to do in their life yet. And so now they're in charge of a whole nother human and they haven't had a chance to kind of like go through their process and figure out what kind of parent they want to be. So now they're like learning about themselves through parenting, which now is affecting a whole nother human. And I think that, you know, the stereotype of like selfish, I think it's actually more selfish to have a kid when you're not ready because now you're affecting another human, you know, and our parents did what our grandparents told them to do and they Mm -hmm. didn't know any better. So they just kind of work it like, this is how it goes. And they didn't question it. And I think we're the first generation because of technology and just, just modern civilization, just kind of moving around. We can like college has come into question whether or not you should go or not in debt and all these things. And just life is changing. And so I think now we're starting to really push the boundaries and say like, it doesn't have to be this way. And yeah. that's not selfish. That's just, and I think the older generation, the way I see it sometimes is that they tend to, um, it's almost, they're almost jealous. Cause they're like, I wish that when I was in my twenties and thirties, I had the power to speak up and say, I didn't want to do it this way. You know, well, I, I can I retweet everything you say so hard? <laughs> like that was just so good. Like, but I, I was actually just talking about this with a fellow friend of mine and we were saying how the generation above us, the baby boomers, they had right. the strict model of you go, you work at a job until you're 60, 65, 70, you quit, and then you live your life. That's and it. we grew up learning that model and really absorbing it and thinking that this is the only way. And yet we have this younger generation that's like the TikTok famous and like, I'm making money doing my own thing and I'm being an entrepreneur yeah. and a Gen creative. Z. And Gen Z. I'm jealous also. of Gen Z because they're well, doing all the same. things I wish I would have done in my twenties. <laughs> well, and like, I, it's so odd. Cause we have this, like, it's almost like a little like teeter totter going off. Mm-hmm. Cause our belief systems are, you know, going haywire at this uncertainty of being a creative freelancer or whatever it is that right. we're hearing these people do and love and have these amazing experiences and feeling so fulfilled. And so it's like our, our generation, um, I, I, I don't say this dramatically, but maybe I do. Our generation kind of got fucked because literally they were like, oh, you need to do all this, but then, oh, this is what actually makes you happy. And we're at this like really tough balancing act. So a lot of people, when I, when I dive into this with my clients, a lot of it boils down to like the belief of if I work a nine to five, then I will have security but that just doesn't exist anymore. We don't work jobs for 40 years anymore. I don't know a single, I worked at a tech company for two years uh, as part of one of my 15 part-time jobs when I was starting my business. And it was, it was just crazy how much turnover there was from people quitting or from Mm. people uh, getting fired. And it's just like that model just doesn't exist anymore. And it's like, if you're not going to have job security, then you might as well do whatever you like. You might as well do what really calls you. And that's what I feel like when perfectionism really comes in because people are like, well, what do I love? Okay. I want to be, let's use this as an example. I want to be a multimillionaire. 
And suddenly they put this multimillionaire on this huge pedestal. And then there's this little voice in their head that's grown up with Google that says, okay, you have to do that now. You have to be at that level now. And they say, oh God, I'm not there yet. I'm a failure. Sink back into comfort zone and shell. Totally. And it's just like, there's just so much, almost like an infinity loop of just like, I have these big goals, but oh God. And you know, but I can't stuff. reach Yeah, Cause now the expectation has become so much more like, it's almost like we, like we made our bed. Now we have to lie in it kind of thing. You know, totally. like you're right. We're the transitional. I say all the time, millennials are the transitional generation. Totally. So we are the ones that kind of broke free of like our parents teachings, but we also have created this new monster where it's like, <laughs> Now we have 20, 20 something billionaires and you're like, well, how the heck are yep. we supposed to live up to that expectation? And also, I think also questioning, do we actually want that? Yeah. Like just because it's available and just because that looks glamorous, is that the life that we want? So the mental health thing is becoming, you know, yeah. and just asking yourself what you actually want. Like, that's the first thing I do when I talk to my clients is we co- yes. go through, we make a happiness list mm-hmm. and we decide what it is in, in your life that you want to accomplish, no matter how crazy it is. Yeah. And we base all of our habits and goal settings and, you know, day-to-day routines on, is it serving your goals and your list? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, why are we doing it? Why are we wasting our time and energy trying to work further and further away from the goal that you said, you said you wanted to do that. You said you wanted more peace in your life. Why do you still have this person who's bringing you so much toxic energy and stressing you out? Oh, I'm so glad you bring that up. That is such a good (laughs) exercise. And I encourage every listener who's listening, just pull, like go back 30, 40 seconds and do that to like do that exercise, because that is so freaking powerful. Cause we're, we're always on autopilot We're we're constantly living our, our, our days in like what I think it's like 95% of our days are lived in habit. And when oh. we actually sit down and write out what our habits are, the things that we do totally subconsciously, a lot of the times they're things that are like, for instance, doom scrolling on social media that ain't serving me in no way, no how. Tell and yet there's so many people who that's the first thing they do in the morning. And I'm yeah. just like, Oh God, stop it. <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Really so it doesn't. And, and honestly, like the phone is, it, that was the hardest thing for me. Cause I, I used to be a social media manager. So oh I was God. on the phone constantly. I was, yeah. I was updating and maintaining like 10 different accounts. Um, it was ridiculous. Took over my life. That was, you know, years ago when I started a a PR company and I taking yourself out of those habits when your phone becomes everything to you, like now my phone and this, a lot of this is credit to my husband because he's not a phone person. So when we started dating, like my, the phones are on airplane mode when we go to sleep, sometimes they're not even in the same room so that when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you see is not your phone and you don't check it. Um, you know, we, try to minimize the phone when it's just the two of us doing things. I like to have the phone. Actually, I decided not to even have my ringers on anymore. I just, everything's on silent. Unless someone says they're going to call me, I pop the ringer on. But other than that, like, because I check my phone regularly just to see if something's up, I'll get the message. And if someone really is in dire need of me, it'll get to me in some point. That's what I do um, throughout my work day. I turn my phone on, do not disturb. Because that's, yeah. and then like at night I'm with my fiance and it's like, that's my quality time with him. And there's a few that's moments it. where I've checked my, or like, I've noticed like, Ooh, why am I 
looking on my phone right now. I don't need to be doing that. And I'll like put it away. Cause he's the same way. He's not a phone person. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice to have that balance because you, you become who you spend time with and That's his it. habit of not having his phone on him all the time has really made me look at, I don't want to live my life glued to a screen. I want to actually experience the things around me and live in the present. And when we're on our phone, we're not in the present moment. Never, never, ever, ever. Unless you're listening to a guided meditation and the phone is across the room and you have your phone. Like that is the only way, Totally. but it's just, it it just sucks. It sucks the life and it sucks the present moment out of you, which sucks a lot of the fulfillment too. So, and I mean, I don't know a lot, you know, if you've listened to the social dilemma on, Oh, Oh, on the Netflix. <laughs> that was a, yeah. I mean, and that was great. Like when my husband and I watched it, like we were not surprised or culture shocked by really a lot of things. I think that the thing that shocked me the most was Gen Z, how they're growing up with it from like a phone from the age of like six or seven versus I didn't get my phone till I was 16 because we didn't have them yet. And by the time I was getting one, it was more for an emergency of like something happens at school, you know, it was like end of middle school, early high school. Mm -hmm. And, um, my brother was four years younger. So he got his a little bit earlier, but even he didn't get his until he was like maybe 13, something Mm -hmm. like that. Now they're getting them at like eight, you know, and it's crazy because they're comparing all the likes and the filters and you live in this like Instagram world. And so a lot of more suicides and Gen Z, a lot more, you know, um, self, uh, you know, self unworthiness, all of those types of things, um, which I didn't realize because we are not, yes, I, we millennials are not like, um, we, we know that social media has our brain. Like we're very aware. We're very conscious of it. Totally. Very conscious of it. So if, if we get sucked into our phones, we're like, oh man, we failed today. Like social media (laughs) one. Right. But it's not like, oh no, like I don't look as skinny as that girl or I don't look as, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. We know that social media is doing that to us. So like what hearing from all of these people on the social dilemma was like, yeah, we're very aware of all of that, Yeah, but that doesn't mean that we still don't get sucked in and we need to make sure that we remove ourselves, you know? So, um, but I kind of want to pivot a little bit more to the perfectionist thing, because that is really something that I think it's really awesome that you're a life and mindset coach for perfectionists. Um, Because I think the concept, I work with a lot of clients that that's really kind of where they stem from. They have this like limiting beliefs of not being good enough. So they're just constantly striving for perfection. They're constantly trying to be the best at everything. Um, It takes away through my own journey, I've discovered it takes away a lot of your like emotion because you're always trying to be in control and you're always (sighs) trying to create the best results, which is very task orienting. And it's not allowing you to live in the present moment. It's not allowing Mm -hmm. you to accept mistakes. Um, Perfection doesn't exist. So with my clients, we're really trying to clear out all the clutter from their schedules, trying to slow down the speeding train. And we're trying to uh, like really ingrain in their brains, progress, not perfection. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, I so love talk to me that. a little bit about, yeah. So, cause I love your energy around perfectionism <laughs> because I'm really passionate about it as well. I think, um, you know, for those who have listened to my podcast, they know that I'm a former competitive ballroom dancer. Mm-hmm. And in that industry, like if you're not perfect, no one's going to even give you the time of day. So coming from that and trying to integrate those things into real life, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense. So talk to me a little bit about how you kind of divide you know, those types of things. 
Well, first of all, I'll say I came from a musical theater background and I came from a uh, school where we did everything as close to as like weigh-ins. You would go and get weighed to make sure you're keeping up with your Broadway body or whatever. And you were graded on it. And it's just like, I look back at that and I'm just like, oh my, I thought that was normal. Oh my God. Like, and it leaked into so many different areas of my life, but I started as a, as a coach specifically for performers. I worked with a lot of people on uh, audition techniques and audition mindset and how to like go into the room and really, you know, kick some butt. But I realized the thing that I loved tackling with people wasn't the auditions. It wasn't the performing aspect of it. It was the, and you said it so perfectly, that need to control everything, that need to control the outcome that just sucks the life out of you. And it just makes life torturous. It makes life so unhappy and so unfulfilling. And I realized that that was really what I loved working with. And I'm very fortunate to have a background in personal development since I was a literal baby in the womb. Both of my parents uh, worked for some of the top people in uh, personal development in the nineties and until actually just this past year. And so I grew up learning this language and really having a good understanding of our emotions and how much they drive us and how much they hinder us. Um, hinder us, meaning if we're in low energy states, we don't feel like doing high energy things. And yet we're demanding high energy things when we're in low energy states. I'll get to that in a second. But after working with perfectionists now for about two and a half years, I, I'd have to be blind, deaf, and just dead to not see a pattern. <laughs> And what I've seen is really three different categories of the perfectionist mind. And that is the first is the overachiever. So these are the people who tend to really love to-do lists. They like to make a really long to-do list at like 9 a.m. And then by 1 p.m. they're having like an anxiety attack saying, oh my God, I'm worthless. I can't get all the things on my to-do list done. They're the people who always are saying, I'm so busy. They put a lot of their worth in results mm. and, um, and the ability to be busy and be busier than others. Um, and so the, the overachiever tends to really be uh, if anyone's an Enneagram person, they're always Enneagram threes. Normally they're like, I'll say 95% of the time they're Enneagram threes. Then there's the, per- the procrastinator and the procrastinator tends to have these really big goals. I think procrastinators get such a bad rap because you hear procrastinator. And I think like my, my conditioned mind would think like, oh, someone laying, I, I'm in Colorado. So someone's smoking a doobie laying on the couch playing their right, they're lazy. call of duty. Yeah. They're lazy, yeah. but yeah. procrastinators, when it comes to perfectionism tend to have these big, bold, look at me visions and goals for their life. And yet they put it on such a high pedestal that they totally freak out their mind that getting out of their comfort zone equates to literal death in their subconscious mind. We're living as cave completely unattainable, totally unobtainable. And taking a step Mm -hmm. forward is just out of the question. So instead they layer on excuses like, Oh, you know, like maybe just not today. I'm not feeling motivated today. Or, you know, like, um, that feels like a really daunting task. I'll do that when I feel more energized or I'll do that when I have more energy. I didn't sleep super well last night. They make up a lot of excuses, but it's not because they don't want to do these things. It's because their brain literally equates getting out of their comfort zone to I'm going to die. So 
I, I love, I love procrastinators because it's not about being lazy. It's about using your brain in a smarter way. And I'll get to that in a second. And then last but not least is people pleasers. Now, I don't need to explain these too much. A lot of us, especially people listening to this podcast will have an immediate reaction when I hear people pleasing because 95% of perfectionists are also people pleasers. But these are the people who tend to put, like I was saying about the self-care episode earlier, they put themselves on the backest of back burners and they put everyone else in front of them until the point where they're literally like gasping for air because they don't have any time for themselves and they need to be perfect for every other person, which totally drains them, which totally hinders them. And they, they don't take any, you'll time never be, you'll never be good enough for everybody. You'll never please everybody. Exactly. Um, I see this a lot in our generation. Uh, I'm sorry, in, oh, our, yeah. in, in our parents' generation, um, because there's this bedside manner, this like societal, um, you know, uh, have, you know, honeydew kind of concept where totally. you can't show up to a party without a gift. You have to make sure that this has to be a certain way when you have guests over, um, you know, this is what is commonly done. And if you don't like, I think, have you ever read the book essentialism? I haven't. No. Okay. That's a book that's going to blow your mind. Okay. Essentialism. Um, yeah. Yeah. I swear by it. Also, I have a podcast where I do an entire episode, just highlighting some of the golden nuggets of that book. Cause I really want people to go read it, but I had to just like, I just got to a whole place where I was like, I have to just do something on this. Totally. Um, it's by Greg McKeon and we'll link it in the show notes for those who are looking for, um, this book again, cause I have tagged it in other episodes, but the concept of it is he gives so many examples in our life of how we jump, especially perfectionists, we jump on things so quickly because we think that that is going to get us ahead. Yep. So a good example he gives is when you're at, you know, you're the first one to jump on the, the corporate email and everybody's <laughs> taught, you know, or whatever, or you're yeah. the first one to show up to the meeting and you're the last one to leave. And when he realized what he was doing and wanted to start living more essential and doing things that made more sense for him and giving himself back time, he started pulling some of these things and saying, sorry, I can't go to this meeting. It's almost like it didn't affect the people that he thought as much as it would. Mm -hmm. And so once he started removing himself from certain things, he thought at the beginning, oh my gosh, like it's going to be so detrimental to these people, or I hold such a, you know, a a certain place. And if I don't do this, I'm going to feel bad because I wasn't a team player and all of these things. And then later to realize that, oh, like they just found a way to replace him or or figured out a way to like someone else solve the problem and it didn't need to be him yeah or he didn't need to be the first one to answer the email because other people stepped up to the plate um and if you always assume that it's your job to do these things then then yeah you're going to constantly feel like you're not doing enough because you're putting that pressure on yourself yeah nobody else put that on you Um, and so, yeah, that book, honestly, like listen to it or read it. I I have an audio book version of it, but it is, it it was a game changer for me because I already lived more of a minimalistic lifestyle when it comes to things. Yeah. But the concept of essentialism is how is more, more of a intangible things that we do. 
Yep. That you realize, oh my gosh, why do I do that? Why do I feel like I have to be the person that takes control of that or runs this or runs that? Just because I can doesn't mean I should. I love, literally, like, I want to say yeah. what you just said again, just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah. That is so important. Right. Because especially looking at the framework, the overachievers, the people who lean a little bit more into that tend to feel like I need to be the best at everything. And if I'm not the best at everything, then I'm what a failure. I? Then right. what am I? Then where's my identity? I'm like worthless, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it, it, it just, it kills me to see these, these people who are, who are every week doing incredible things. And yet it's never enough. It's always that result that, that like, and this is, this is not just the overachiever. Honestly, this is human beings as general, like, right. but we've become such a, re, a results driven society. Like, mm. I, I don't know if it's because of Google or like how quickly we get, we get uh, results on Google and like how well, we instant gratification, that we instant gratification. Yeah. But now I, I actually, I, this is a great example. One time I asked a client who was a major overachiever, always achieving something like every single day, she was like one upping herself. And yet she was so weighed down, so unhappy. Mm. And I asked her, I was like, when was the last time you felt really proud of her, yourself? She goes, oh, well, you know, two weeks ago I was featured in this major article or whatever. And I was like, that's awesome. How long were you happy for yourself? Like what, what, what amount of time, how long did that happiness, that, oh, pride of my, pride in myself, how long did that sustain you? She goes, oh, I mean, I guess I'm still proud. And I was like, have you felt proud since that moment? She goes, no. And I'm like, how long do you think it actually lasted you? She's like six minutes. And I'm just like, you were working. So I want to make this really clear. You were working towards this goal for like eight months. You mm. had it, it happened and you felt happy for six minutes. Right. And I was like, what happened after that? She's like, well, I, I set a new standard for myself and I wasn't there yet. So I was immediately unhappy. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, but that's so what we follow. If right. we're not at that goal, if we're not at that result, we're unhappy. But then when we reach that result, we're happy for five minutes. And right. it's like when I, you said it earlier, learning to love the process, not the, the, what was it? Pro the destination. Process oh, not the so it's progress, not perfection is progress, what I preach perfection. in, but, but that's the concept of there's two things I want to say about that. Yes. You just said, enjoying the journey, not the destination, because yeah. that is something that I used to do a lot is like, I would, you know, my husband and I's lives are so busy and we would do all these different events and all these different things and businesses and all that stuff. So you're really just looking at the major things on the calendar, but yeah. the Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays in between those things, it's almost like they're just like, they're nothing. They're packing yeah. days, they're laundry days, they're whatever. But those are the days that you could actually have like a fun date night or you can mm -hmm. do something that's enjoying the journey instead of just what's the next thing? Yeah. What's the next? Because you're just, I mean, I realized my years were going by so quickly mm -hmm. when I was living from to the next thing. Yeah. Um, which was scary because like time going away so quickly, like that's all we have is mm -hmm. precious time. Um and, and it's exhausting. The, it, I'm sorry. It's exhausting. Going. No, no, no. And the other thing that you were talking about um, was, oh, I forgot it now. Uh, results driven attitudes. Oh, what, what did I just say? Um, no I was talking to her about, uh, we're happy for six minutes and then. Yes, you, um, 
Yes. Yeah, so when people say only look back to see how far you've come. Yeah. And the thing, the concept of that is we don't, we don't look back very often no. because especially perfectionists, because we're always driving forward and we're always seeing how far we're not there yet. Mm. When, when will it be enough? When will it be enough praise, enough achievement, enough money, enough things, enough love from a person, whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish, when will it be enough? It will never be enough if you don't appreciate and just just honestly, the answer is always more gratitude. Always, literally always. always. Like when in doubt, gratitude will always bring you more and more and more of appreciating and being present in the moment. Um, and so, yes, I do agree with the fact of looking back to see how far you've come because sometimes you need to remember, like it's only sometimes when I'm in like an interview or I'm like recalling my story or something that I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I did do that. Yeah. And that was really important in the moment. Um, and then now I forget that it even happened. It was, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but those things still are of value. And I still achieved that in my lifetime. That's amazing. And we need to realize that those things are what kind of like the foundation to who we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, and not to always feel well, but what, but look at where so-and-so is right. It's the comparing I'm, you know, I'm not there yet. Um, and that's, that's the hard part about our society that has created all of these things and these like, almost like these certain standards that we say we want to live up to when in reality, it's like, who set that standard just because someone achieved that at a certain age, doesn't mean that that's now the new standard. That's just something that someone achieved. So you're spitting fire, Christine. Like (laughs) I, I couldn't agree more. I was actually, I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying like, this 30 under 30 list, or, or it's now mm. 20 under 20. They, like, they lowered it a decade. And I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> like, don't do yeah. that. Because it's, you're so right. It says, it sets a new quote standard that we yeah. should all be living this certain way. And it's like, no, like that is such a unique person's destination. And it's like, I love, um, one of my favorite things to do, and this is a really good thing for, um, perfectionists, uh, thinking back to the framework, like this is a really good thing for the procrastinator perfectionist specifically in order to feel like, oh, I don't have to be perfect on the first try. My favorite thing is to go back to some of my favorite speakers or some of my favorite podcasts, go back to their first episode. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Always. always it, terrible. Doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's like a five-star podcast that has like 40 million downloads. doesn't matter. The first episode tanks mm-hmm. always. So one of my clients, she, she wanted to start a podcast and I was like, okay, I want you to list out your five favorite podcasts, go back, listen to their first five episodes this week, and then talk to me, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. A week later, she did the, she did the homework assignment and she's like, so I started my podcast and I'm just like, so what happened? She's like, I didn't need to be perfect on the first episode. And I was like, right. no shit, Sherlock, <laughs> like right. we don't, but because we're consuming so much media that has such a high standard, we're assuming that we need to be that high standard. So I love the exercise of going back to people's first videos Mm -hmm. first. I I mean, um, even famous YouTubers, musicians. I was going to say, I tell, I I tell my clients YouTubers a lot, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's the concept of not comparing your chapter one to someone's chapter 20. Like you can't, you didn't start when they started. So just, but, but they at one point started, you know, when I'm teaching people how to dance, um, that, you know, in my past life, <laughs> um, they will, you know, they freak out. They're like, well, I can't dance like you. It's like, but you're not supposed to, otherwise I wouldn't be teaching you. Yeah. I had to wow. start somewhere and someone taught me and it's just a trickle down effect yeah. 
you know? Um, so yeah, completely like that's, totally. that's amazing. I love that. So tell me a little bit more about the tactics, um, kind of the habit building, you know, reframing, limiting beliefs of perfectionism, all the stuff that you work with those three types of people that end up being your clients. Totally. So I'll start with the overachiever. More often than not, the overachiever's limiting belief is either if I'm not the best, then I'm worthless mm-hmm. or I'll never be enough. Um, so I really work with them on slowing down. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the reason that overachievers are so go, 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 go is because they're always achieving that next, that next standard for themselves. And it's never bringing them fulfillment. And it's not until they slow down and actually start to experience life. And it's also, I'll even say like, it's also a lot of the times overachievers are filling their days with so many things that are fluff. They're things that it's all fluff. So so that was me. I've not heard it divided into three categories before, but I definitely resonate with the overachiever. That one is completely me. And yes, I've made lists upon lists upon lists of things that I'm like, this wasn't serving anything. Why was I doing this? Exactly. And um, it doesn't make any sense. And so what ends up happening is that, yes, you are constantly feeling like you're not getting the list done, but the list is really not serving you in the mm-hmm. long run. And you feel like you're just not achieving at all. Yeah. And one of the things that I do with them, and I, like one of our first few calls is we make a structure for their week, depending on mm-hmm. normally perfectionists are very type A. So they like to have very strict structure. So we make a structure. It's much looser than they have right now, always, but we make a structure of like on these days, you lean into these projects because they're actually serving the goal that you want on these days. You lean into this part of the project because it's actually serving the goal that you want, so on and so forth. And so we chunk it down into those specific days. And on each day, there's always times to slow. There's mm-hmm. always times to take Well, the care. white space, like that's what yeah. I discovered when I started doing, you know, when I started getting coaches and doing all that stuff, like I just realized that there was just no white space yeah. is what they call it in my life, which was just like, anytime I was waiting for something or I had time where I could just breathe, I always found something to fill that slot, yes, whether it's checking exactly. my phone. Cause we have the phones all the time or mm-hmm. watching a TV show or, um, you know, doing that one email that I could do later or whatever. There was always something emptying a dishwasher. Like there's always something when I could just be sitting and doing nothing or journaling or meditating or things that allow you to just be as much in the present moment as possible. Um, that was just something that was just unheard of. I'm like, I don't have time for that. Like if I'm making time to go on a walk or do something fun with, you know, my husband or with someone like that's great, but that's designated time. It's not just going to be five minutes in the middle of the day when I could be going on to the next thing on my list. Totally. One of the things I tell, tell people, and I actually did this this morning for myself was I make a being list where human, a lot of overachievers are human doings. They're constantly do, 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 doing a lot of the things and we're human beings. Hmm. And it's like, what are things that make you not make you, but what are things that really allow you to be in the moment? What are some things that you do that slow you down? And that can be journaling. That can be meditating. Um, I mean, hiking was like the first thing I did. Like, uh, first thing that I wrote down, it's like, what are things that really slow me down and make me look around and look up and see the life I'm living? Mm -hmm. And 
adding those things into your week or really opening up that white space, allowing time for just to do one that feels good in the moment. You don't have to like schedule in, like I will go hiking and be in the moment on Saturday at two. Like it doesn't need to be that strict. Well, no, it needs to be scheduled because for people like us, if we don't put it in the calendar, it won't happen. It'll just always get pushed. But I also think that the intimidation of meditation or journaling or whatever, and it's like, how do we quiet our minds? That's the hardest thing. It's like, I'm just going to sit there and how is that going to happen? Um, so you end up just feeling like you're going to be a failure at meditation. So you're yeah. not going to do it because you don't want to fail. So I've just discovered in my life, the things that actually try to slow me down or help me to be in the most present in the moment yeah. aren't usually things that are recommended by, you know, it's stuff that I'm I enjoy so doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because for me, it's actually dancing. Like when I am dancing, I am in that moment. Like nothing else matters. Um, it's just, I'm just there. And some people are like, well, that's not very meditative. It's like, but it is for me though. Yeah. doesn't matter what I'm dancing. As long as I am in that moment dancing, nothing else in the world matters. That's, um, I think, and my husband is a golf, he loves to golf, yeah. you know, like that's his thing. I think a lot of times people think like, okay, like something meditative. So I'm sitting in the quiet and that's it. Like just listening to my breathing. And especially for people who have such chatty minds, that's just going to give you a freaking anxiety attack. <laughs> like yeah. That's just not going to work. Totally. So like things like writing, I mean, going on a walk, unplugging, unplugging, dear God, unplug from your phone, like mm-hmm. go on a walk and just, uh, or go, um, sing in the shower. I mean, like, you know, do things that really just light your soul on fire. And that is meditative. That is it not have to just be sitting in the dark for five minutes. Like it really doesn't have to be that. So for, for overachievers, really slowing down is the name of the game. And a lot of times that freaks them the frick out because they're like, Oh my God, but if I slow down, I won't achieve as much. It's like, well, actually you'll actually achieve more because first of all, you're not filling your days with fluff. You're doing things with intention and you'll be more fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You'll be more motivated. You'll be more excited. You'll be more right. in flow and getting a little woo woo here. But a lot of times when we're more aligned with the tasks that we put into our day, the universe comes together a lot freaking quicker than when we're running around like chickens when our head cut off. Totally. So that's what I really recommend for the overachievers. Procrastinators, however, a lot of times, like I was saying earlier, procrastinators see a vision for their life. And first of all, it's normally really fuzzy. I want to be a multimillionaire. That's right. not super clear. That's like, and it's not measurable. It's not measurable. It's right. not, I mean, like when, by when, like what, what time frame are we looking at? So on and so forth. And so I'll, I'll use this example. Um, a client came to me and she said, I want to start a business. I want to start my own business. And I was like, that sounds great. She's like, I've been procrastinating on it for about three years. And I was like, okay. Let's talk about it. And she's like, well, if I have a business, then I need a website, then I need clients, then I need a community. I need 15,000 followers on Instagram. I need all of this. And I was like, and okay, how are you going to get those things? She's like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just need all of them before I even start a business. And I was like, okay, so that's totally backwards. So a lot of times procrastinators put these crazy high expectations on themselves before they even start. Right. So for procrastinators, the name of the game is really narrowing things down, chunking it down. So like, let's say for instance, you're a procrastinator who wants to start a business. That's great. I would get really crystal clear on what business you're wanting, what type of business, making it a smart goal, specific, 
measurable, actionable, realistic, or time defined, and then chunking it down into what are the, the stepping stone goals? Because starting a business is a big mofo. That's a big boy. Right. So in between that, it might mean, okay, I want to make a website. Uh Great. Chunk down making a website in that step one. So you can't make a website. You can't schedule on Friday at noon, make my website. You can, but your brain's going to freak out and be like, what does that mean? I don't know. Start with buying a domain. Exactly. Right. Literally you have to. So what I call this is one sitting tasks. Mm -hmm. You have to make a huge list because odds are there's like 15,000 steps between point A and B. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times we don't know all 15,000. We might know three of those little teeny tiny stepping stones on our way to B. So you're, that's a perfect example. Buy a domain, research three platforms that you like and figure out which one you want to host on. Um, map create, out what- Create a color aesthetic. Create a yeah. color aesthetic. I mean, mm-hmm. even like research color aesthetics that you like and figure out which ones you want to have for yourself. Like mm-hmm. go into Canva and play around with uh, color hexes until you find ones you like. But these are all tasks that you can do in 90 minutes or less. Right. And when you chunk it down that teeny tiny and have a huge list of one sitting tasks, procrastination has no place in the game. Your brain doesn't have to do the guesswork on God, what does making a website mean? It has, Oh, research three platforms. Okay. I can do that today. And that immediately builds that motivation up. So for procrastinators, chunking it down into one sitting tasks and scheduling them every time, Mm -hmm. absolutely scheduling them for the last one, people pleasers. This one's kind of the, um, the, what do I, I don't even know how to call it. This is the one where the way to combat people pleasing is to start learning in or start stepping into building your own voice up. Mm. When you start to do the inner work as a people pleaser, you naturally start to build boundaries. You naturally start to say no. You naturally start to really lean into things that are your passion, your dream rather than someone else's. But you can't do that unless you build the foundation of who you are first. Right. And you need to to advocate for yourself and not feel like you're saying what the other person wants to hear, especially for family. Like we always tend to want to please family. You know, Um, I think the biggest recent one that I had was planning my wedding. So many of my family members were like, oh, well, this is how it's done. Or this is what we do. And then I'm like, well, first of all, you're not paying for it. I am. So I will do things the way I want to do them, but also like, just enjoy the process. Like a lot of our main family members, like our parents and stuff, they just get to come and just enjoy and be VIPs like us. So like, don't try to plan everything. Don't try to do everything. Don't try to say, well, it has to be like this. Like we didn't do a bouquet toss or a um, ring or whatever, you know, because we didn't have time. So we just did other things. Um, and we didn't do this, something borrowed, something blue, something, all this stuff. Like there were certain things that we were just like, it just doesn't mean anything to us, but there were other things that we did like writing our own vow letters and putting them in a box and locking them up for next year. And then reading, reading them a year later and writing more and it becoming like, we just made new traditions, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something very hard for, again, that's very generational. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. 
Yeah. And the thing with people pleasers is a lot of times they don't realize they're stuck in these patterns until they're so burnt out that they're blue in the face. And so uh, I, I think the really important thing for people pleasers is have a mentor, have a coach, have a therapist, have an accountability buddy, have someone who's able to see the patterns that you cannot see. And it's not saying that you can't do it on your own. You totally can. But from what I've seen, it takes about 15, five 15,000 years longer than it would if you worked with someone who's able to call you out on those things and ask you the questions that you're not asking yourself. And I just think that for people pleasers, learning how to find, not even find because it's in there, but learning how to use your voice, Uh which a lot of times is scary because you don't want to hurt other people's feelings or you don't want to insult someone or you don't want to step on someone's toes or make them feel uncomfortable but it hinders yourself because you're putting yourself in this little box that is just crushing you. And so for people pleasers, it's really start to do the dirty work. There's so many books, there's so many courses, there's so many coaches, there's so many people, but find the ones that resonate with you and just start diving in slowly, but surely, but man, oh man, it changes your life. I've seen it over and over again. It does. And I mean, I think that's, that's the thing is like, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Like there's coaches and stuff. Like we even say coaches need coaches, you know, like every one of us, I think this is the coolest profession ever because it's the one perfection or I'm sorry. It's the one Hello. Hello. (laughs) It's the one profession that where I feel like you can really help someone and simultaneously be a work in progress and show that because it's more relatable to your clients to say, listen, I wasn't perfect today. Like I also did this and it didn't work out, but you're helping people master the things that you've already mastered and you're up-leveling yourself simultaneously. And that is huge because in my past industry, like you couldn't do that. Um, And I don't know a lot of industries where you can and just show that like, oh, I still haven't mastered it yet because I'm still mastering newer versions of myself, but I am a professional. I'm an expert in my field of what I'm teaching. You know what I'm saying? But I'm I'm still holding myself accountable for it every day. And that's, you know, old habits die hard kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say to people who have resonated with one of these three, right? The overachiever, the procrastinator, and the people pleaser, and they just don't know where to start. Like, what's the first thing you would say to get them started? Oh God, so many things. Um, I'll say, I'm going to, I'm going to go by, go by category. So for, for overachievers, gratitude list, Mm. start with a gratitude practice every day. I know it can feel daunting, but it is so important. Even just three things that you're grateful for in the morning will change your life over time. Like it, I I say that with absolutely no bullshit. That is so, so, so true. I've seen it so many times. I can't, you can't call it a bit funny. It's just so, it's so true. Um, I think a lot of the times what people get stuck in with gratitude is they, first of all, people please, or excuse me, uh, overachievers are going so quickly. So they tend to think of it as like a chore. So they're like, okay, fuck, I'm grateful for my computer, my boyfriend and my house. Right. That doesn't work. (laughs) That's a chore. That's not gratitude. A gratitude practice is about getting really, what I like to think is rather than thinking of the thing you're grateful for, think of the experience that you had that Mm. created gratitude. So rather than thinking of my boyfriend, think of, I'm so grateful for 
the moment that Brett came in and brought me coffee in the morning and kissed me on the forehead and said, good morning, beautiful. That is a gratitude right there. And that you're feeling the feelings, you know what they felt like, like you can recall that memory later to bring back more gratitude. Exactly. And when you tap into the feeling of gratitude, even if it's from a memory, you will bring that feeling into the moment you're writing or thinking or meditating on the gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so it conditions that, that neural pathway between where you are and gratitude. And it strengthens it every single, I know people can't see me, but I'm drawing on my brain real quick. Um, when you create that pattern so many times, especially when you're in a really heightened state of gratitude, when you create that pathway between where you are in gratitude so many times, it becomes habit. So you're just living your day in gratitude. Then it's phenomenal. So for overachievers to happen into a gratitude practice and slow down, let it be a gift of the day for procrastinators. This sounds so this, I, I know that this sounds, take this with a grain of salt coming from me, but work with a coach. I'm sorry, but work with someone who can chunk things down for you. Yeah. So crystal clearly and keep you accountable. Like, or it doesn't have to be a coach. You don't have to pay them, get a mentor, get a, um, really good accountability buddy that will not let you fall through the cracks. Like, but have someone to hold you accountable and who will help you chunk things down. This is one of my specialties. If what I'm saying resonates with you and you're a procrastinator, hit me up. Let's chat. And then for people pleasers, find a book. What's a, what's a personal development book that maybe has been nagging in your ear for a while that you're ready to step into. Or if you're, um, you're listening to a podcast, obviously. So you might be a podcast person dive into some more on, um, personal development on to start to get curious about what it looks like to find your own power. And yeah, when I, you get I curious listen to about- a lot of podcasts about self-compassion, mm-hmm. mindfulness, um, you know, advocating for yourself. These are the things I think the people pleaser would need the most, totally. but I actually think all three of the things that you said, the gratitude list, definitely finding a coach. Um, that's just like, everyone needs to kind of get everyone out of like, <laughs> I have two, like yeah, I, 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 I do too. Like, you need yeah. it. like it's vital coach, mentor, therapist, whatever you want to call it, like yeah. find someone that can guide you, um, gratitude list and then books and podcasts, like yeah. just keep learning. Um, like I do kind of a mix of all of those things in my own practice, but also I encourage that to my clients as well. So I think all, it doesn't matter which one you resonate with, uh, as far as which perfectionists, like they, those are just good practices for all, all around human beings. Totally. Keep yourself going and moving forward and evolving into the person that you're trying to become. Well, and on the, on the, the people pleaser one with getting a coach, getting a therapist, or excuse me, the procrastinator and really just everyone who's looking to up-level in any form, one of the smartest and most life-changing pieces of advice I ever received was you become who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And more specifically, you become the five people you hang out with most. Yes, that's the and, one I've heard. Oh, girl, I heard that and I wrote down five people I hang out with most and I hated four of them. So oh. I was like, okay, this is wrong. This is not how this should be. Yeah. And so I started changing the people I hung out with. I started hanging out with people who were quite frankly, on a different level of life. I was a server at the time. I'd been a server for 12 years. I was done being in the restaurant industry and all the people I hung out with were people in the restaurant industry who were 
constantly complaining about how much they hated their lives and then drinking till 4am and doing nothing about it. And I fell into that pattern for so many years and it, it created so much unhappiness and so much embarrassment and guilt in my life until finally I started hanging out with people who were mourning people and who were making more money and doing things that they love and things that, um, they felt passionate about. And when I started hanging out with them, I quit the restaurant industry within six months. Yeah. Your whole life changed. Everything around you added to that. Yes. And that's amazing. So looking at who you're hanging out with and seeing what ones aren't giving you a whole lot of energy, what ones aren't serving you in this next level of life and seeing if you can phase out and add someone new in. This does not need to be a physical person in your life. Mm-hmm. Some of the people, my core five are podcasts or, or are authors or right. speakers, and they don't know I exist, but they are my core people because I listen to them every single day and absorb their energy. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons I went from zero to 60 without burning myself out and without feeling like I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But yeah, I just, I really recommend who you hang out with. It really, really, really matters. So be mindful of that. This is awesome. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. We may have to do a part two because I feel like we could go on like this for hours. Like this is so great. Sounds great. (laughs) Um, But I really appreciate you taking the time. This is definitely a topic I think we're both really passionate about. Um, If anyone listening, you know, if you Um, I'll put all of Nicole's, um, contact information in the show notes. If you want to reach out to her, um, and possibly work with her, obviously you guys know that you can do clarity calls with me too. Mm -hmm. My program is open again for enrollment at the moment, my 12 week healthy habits and happiness program, which is great. Um, so very excited about that. Um, cause there are limited spots there, but, um, very excited to chat with you. You, this has been an awesome, I can't wait to put this episode out for people to hear, um, cause I think it's going to resonate with so many people and help so many people just kind of take the first step to kind of just healing themselves, um, and just yeah. giving themselves more grace like that. All perfectionists just need to give themselves more grace. Totally. I couldn't so. agree more. And if you are listening to this, come say hi to me on Instagram. I'd love to just like love the virtual stuffing out of you. Like, um, just say a little like quick, hi, quick note. I'd love to, to, to know that you listened and thank you so much again. And to be continued, <laughs> to be continued. Thank it's you. It's so always much, progress, right? Always progress, not true. perfection. <laughs> uh, I need that like tattooed on my body somewhere. <laughs> like, totally. Thank you so much for listening to the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I'm Christine, and if this episode resonated with you or spoke to you in any way, please feel free to share. I absolutely love hearing from you guys and your thoughts about the topics based on your experiences. And also, if there's anything you want me to talk about, just screenshot this episode and share it on social media with your comments. Your feedback really helps me to curate episodes that best serve you. If you have time, I would greatly appreciate if you could leave a review wherever you're listening to this episode, whether on Apple or Spotify or any other platform. I'm wishing you a blessed week ahead. And remember, perfection doesn't exist. Take messy action. Healthy habits keep us balanced and you are enough.